0: Thank you for listening to Changed by His Word, a podcast of Pine Level Missionary Baptist Church, featuring the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We invite you to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. for worship. For more information, visit us online at pinelevelmbc.org. And now for today's message. Psalm 25, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O oh my God, in You I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for You will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know Your ways, O oh Lord. Teach me Your paths. Lead me in Your truths and teach me. For You are the God of my salvation. For You I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your love and kindnesses, for they have been from of old. I want you to listen to the words of a song simply entitled, Strong Tower, by a contemporary group, Cutlass. Listen to these words, and I quote, When I wander through the desert, and I'm longing for my home, all my dreams have gone astray. When I'm stranded in the valley, and I'm tired and all alone, It seems like I've lost my way. I go running to your mountain where your mercy sets me free. In the middle of my darkness, in the midst of all my fears, you're my refuge and my hope. When the storm of life is raging and the thunders all I hear, you speak softly to my soul. Now I'm running to your mountain where your mercy sets me free. You are my strong tower, Shelter over me, beautiful and mighty, everlasting King. You are my strong tower, fortress when I'm weak. Your name is true and holy, and your face is all I seek. Concerning this song, Judy Edwards explains in an article entitled, Looking at the Lyrics, and I quote, The idea of the Lord, or even just His name as a strong tower, is most reassuring. Each one of us needs a refuge, a place to run, when we feel persuaded by enemies or overwhelmed by life itself. But have we considered its protection when we need to be saved from ourselves? Who can save me from myself? Only the Lord. His name is my strong tower. When I run into it, I'm set on high and I can rise above that which pulverizes me to weakness. Jesus indeed is my fortress when I'm weak, and I am safe when it's His face that I see. End of quote. More than anything right now, church, we need to see the face of God. We need to be spending time with our Lord. I mean, you would think that 2020 was more than enough for individuals to deal with. I mean, so many folks were looking forward to 2021. In 2020, we were introduced to the coronavirus, to COVID-19, and nearly everything that we knew as normal was set aside. We've been confined to our homes for months on end. Businesses have closed, if not completely shut down. We've learned a new term. Perhaps we'd never heard of the term prior to this. Social distancing. We've not only learned the term, we've learned how to practice the term. We've learned how to live that out. And just like everyone else, I've said this time and time again, I want to do my part to try to stop the spread of this virus, to try to keep everyone safe. But I'm just going to tell you from a pastor's heart this morning that it hurts my heart not to be able to be with my people. And many of you can say the same thing. I know how loving of a church Pine Level Missionary Baptist Church is. And if it were not for what we're facing right now, we would be hugging necks and shaking hands and just loving on one another. And that's what we need, I believe, more than anything. You see, I miss the hugs. I miss the handshake. I miss spending close intimate time and contact with my church folks. I miss the in-home visits. I miss being able to be with folks when they're hurting. When they're in the hospital. When they're facing trials and tribulations. But for crying out loud, in the day and age which we're living, not even close family Blood-related individuals can do that. So what can you and I do in the meantime? Well, praise God for modern technology, amen? We can FaceTime somebody, or we can pray with somebody, or we can talk with somebody over the phone. You see, I miss being able to be with those that are hurting. And this past week has been extremely difficult for our church family. Some of our folks have been hospitalized. Some have suffered great sickness. Others right now are battling COVID-19. You know, for the longest time, we thought that COVID-19 was out yonder. And we've got folks among our congregation, just like every other congregation, and just like nearly every other place or home or organization that are suffering from this sickness. We've got some folks that have lost loved ones that are dealing with much grief. And right now, so many people are suffering. They're suffering. And I'm reminded of what the Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. The Bible says, if one member suffers, speaking of the body of Christ, all the members suffer with it. Our hearts suffer are hurting this morning. You see, the Bible says that it rains not just on the unjust, but on the just as well. The Bible rains on the just and the unjust, and just because you know Jesus in a real and personal way, does not mean that you and I are immune to the difficulties of life. I wish that were the case. I've met folks before that have thought that, hey, once I put my trust and faith in Jesus, life's going to be like a bed of roses. I'm never going to have another difficulty. I'm never going to face any other problems in life, but that's simply not true. The Bible says a great deal about suffering. And right now for many folks, it's as though they've been thrown a curveball. And I don't know about you, I don't like curveballs. When I played baseball, I never liked curveballs. Now, I like to throw curveballs. Amen? But I didn't like curveballs. I wanted, I wanted the ball pitched to me straight down the plate. They used to call it straight down the pipe so that I could hit a home run. I didn't want a curveball. But life has thrown so many people curveballs. And the question that you and I have to ask ourselves today is what do you do when life throws a curveball? What do you do when you're tired and you're weary and you're worn out and you're overwhelmed, when your strength has been depleted, and, and when you're looking out and you see simply no hope in sight? What do you do and, and where do you turn? I've got good news for you this morning. You turn to the Lord. Amen. And I'm not just saying that because that's the correct answer to say. That's what we teach our children, right? Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Little Johnny, Jesus is the answer. And then you ask them a question in Sunday school. Jesus! Right? But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the answer. Amen? Amen? Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the one that's proven Himself time and time again to be faithful. Listen to me. Jesus is the one who understands sickness. He's the one who understands heartache. He's the one who understands grief. He's the one who understands pain. He's the one who understands isolation. He's the one who understands what it means to truly, truly suffer. And we like to read those verses that speak of joy and hope and, and oftentimes we leave out the end of those verses that say, if you suffer with me. Suffering is a part of life. So what do you do during times like this? You turn to the Lord Realizing that the circumstances that you're facing, that the, the trials through which you're walking, even through all of that, the Lord will be with you and the Lord will see you through. He'll see you through. So you personally recognize the Lord as being your strong power. And unfortunately, I can't do that for you. And you can't do that for me individually, you and I must recognize that the Lord is our strong tower. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to point out just a few truths to you that I hope will be an encouragement to you. The first is this, that you must look to the Lord. You must look to the Lord now under the leadership and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit the psalmist David penned these words, and David's life was not one of smooth sailing. No, David faced many difficulties in life. He endured much suffering. And he went through a variety of trials, and he endured great tribulation. Let me point out just a few of those to you. David had to flee from King Saul. He had to hide in the caves in Engedi. I've been able to travel there and see those caves. He had to hide in those caves. Why? Because Saul sought to kill him. David had Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, murdered. David committed the sin of adultery with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. They had a son. They lost the son at a very young age. Then listen to this. David's son, Amnon, raped David's daughter, his sister, Tamar. David's son, Absalom, rebelled against him and tried to take over the throne, causing David once again to run and flee For his life. Don't tell me David didn't face much suffering. Don't tell me David didn't encounter much difficulty in life. And in the middle of the difficulties. During the time when it would have been easy to cave in. During the time when it would have been easy to give up. Do you know what David said? Look at the Bible. David said to you "O Lord. I lift up my soul. I lift up my soul. He recognized God in a real and personal way. Church, we need to do that today if we've not already. If there's ever been a time when we needed to stand up and personally trust God and live for God and follow Jesus, the time is now. You see, the God of the Bible is not some transcendent God sitting in heaven waiting to strike you down with a lightning rod. No, the Bible tells me when I read it from Genesis to Revelation that God is a God of love. That God is a God of compassion. That God loves you. As a matter of fact, there's someone this morning that needs to hear these words. God loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's good news today, amen? That God loves you. I'm thankful for that today. Do you know why I'm thankful for that? Because I'm thankful that God didn't give me what I deserve. You see, there's so many folks today that are waiting for a handout, thinking that God owes them something. But God doesn't owe us a thing. He doesn't even owe us the life, the breath that we're breathing. But yet He loves us. And He's shown us compassion. And He's shown us love and kindness. How do you know this, Pastor? Because I love that verse. That's one of the verses that we like to read. And we'll stop right there at that verse. God loves you. Yes, He does. But when you read verse 17 of John chapter 3, the Bible says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world was already condemned. But that the world through Him, that is Jesus, might be saved. If I got what I deserved, I would spend eternity separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell. But praise God this morning. This is good news. God has shown me and He's shown you grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's a gift from God. It's getting something that you do not deserve. And the reality is this morning that God doesn't owe us a thing. Mercy means that... that Uh, You spare an offender to uh, spare the offender to to show compassion. It's not getting what you deserve. So praise God and thank Him this morning for His grace and for His mercy. David, the psalmist, understood that. So he said, "Oh, Oh Lord, it's to You that I lift up my soul." As a matter of fact, the Bible goes on to tell us that God loves you so much that it's His desire that none should perish, but that all come to repentance. So more than anything, God wanted with David the same thing that He wants with us. A relationship. A personal relationship. And we know that that comes only through God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So David said, I not only look, but I also lift up my soul. Now don't miss this. The soul. The man or the woman himself or herself. The seed of the emotions and passions I like to think of it this way. The soul is the very essence of who you are. Now you're going to look around today, and I'll look around, and you will not be able to see anybody's soul. Amen? If you can, you see me afterwards, okay? You can't see a person's soul. But listen to what the Bible says. God doesn't look at the outward appearance as man, but God looks at the heart. God sees your soul and david lifts up listen to me not just his physical being not just the circumstances and the situations that he's facing no he says to you O lord i lift up my soul the very essence of who i am you see people today put so much emphasis on the physical body and they give little to no consideration for the soul When we read the Bible and study the Psalms, the psalmist tells us that life as we know it here on earth is some 70 to 80 years. Some folks live to be 100. Some live to be 110 or 115 or 120. But I don't hear of many living beyond that. James says that life as you and I know it is like a vapor. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. I believe C.S. Lewis summarized it best. Listen to what he said, and I quote, You do not have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body, end of quote. For David, he said to the Lord, I lift up my soul. What about you this morning? Who have you lifted up your soul to this morning? David's soul belonged to the Lord, and it's my hope and it's my prayer that not only for us that have gathered this morning, but for those that are watching online, that your soul belongs to the Lord. You see, there has to come a point in time in everybody's life for those who follow Jesus that they deny self and they begin to passionately pursue Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about perfection this morning. I fall way short of perfection. I'm talking about surrendering your life to Jesus and passionately pursuing Him, not just during the good times, not just on the mountaintops, but in the valley. Hebrews 12.2 says this, that we're to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him. Did you hear that? The joy that was set before Him He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus found joy in suffering. Our minds can't comprehend that. At least mine can't. That Jesus found joy in suffering, knowing that the cross was not the end. That's what the devil thought. The devil looked at the cross. The devil looked at the the grave. The devil looked at the tomb. And the devil said, Ha, ha, ha! It's all done. It's over. But three days later, it wasn't over, was it? Praise God, Jesus arose from the grave. And David says, It's to you, Lord, that I look. It's to you that I lift up not just my life. It's to you that I lift up my soul. So you and I must look. To the Lord, we must take our eyes off the circumstances and look to Jesus. I I keep going back to Peter and and Peter walking on that sea that I was able to ride in a boat on and and to look out at that sea. And I I think about Peter, he was walking on that water and he was looking at Jesus and, and he was doing something that no man can do until he took his eyes off Jesus. And he began to sink. Church, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. On the Lord. So we've got to look to the Lord. But notice secondly, not only do you look to the Lord, you've also got to lean on the Lord. Look at verse 2. Oh my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. So you've got to trust in the Lord and then you've got to lean on the Lord as well with all that's within you, with every fiber of your being. You've got to lean on Him and you've got to trust Him. Yes, there's a time in our lives where we trust Jesus one time for salvation. We turn from our sins, that's repentance. And we trust Jesus with our life. We throw in the white tile, the white flag of surrender. We give everything to Jesus. Yes, that happens once. And you receive something that you can't buy at Walmart or Amazon. I thought you could buy anything on Amazon. Not God's salvation. That comes through a person. And His name is Jesus. So when you receive God's salvation, something the world, the flesh, and the devil cannot take away from you, praise God, amen? There's a lot of things the world, the flesh, and the devil can take away from me. But you rest assured, the world, the flesh, and the devil can't take away my salvation. Why? Because the Bible tells me that he's got me right in the palm of his hands. The Bible tells me that the moment I trusted Jesus, that I was sealed with the Holy Spirit. And who can break the Holy Spirit's seal? Not the world, the flesh, and the devil. So you trust Jesus one time for salvation, but don't miss this. Not only do you look to the Lord one time for salvation, you and I have to continually, continually, continually look to the Lord. I used to say this, or well, day by day i got to follow Jesus. And I've come to learn over the years, yes, I've got to follow Jesus day by day, but even more so, I've got to follow Him minute by minute. You with me? Second by second, because I know when I take my eyes off Jesus, that I begin to, to, to do the things that the flesh desires me to do. And I've got to put my eyes on Jesus and continually keep my eyes on Jesus. Psalm 91, 2 says, I will say of the Lord that He's my refuge, He's my fortress, He's my God. In Him I trust. Listen to this, Proverbs 3, 5-6. through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, your soul, the core of your being, the essence of who you are. Trust in the Lord. David said, I lift up to you, Lord, my soul. It goes on to say, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. So regardless of what enemy comes your way, regardless of the trial, the tribulation, the difficulty, do not trust self. That's easy to do, isn't it? I'm just being real with you. That's easy to do. It's easy to look to self. It's easy to look inward. It's easy to look at your life, listen to me, and ask the question, what have I done? What did I do? Perhaps it was nothing. Perhaps it was nothing. What you've got to realize, though, is we live in a sin-sick world. Regardless of what comes our way, we've got to lean on the Lord. Verse 2 says, do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Why? Because there's one greater than the greatest enemy. Amen? That's a good place to say amen. There's one greater than my greatest enemy. My greatest enemy is not the person out there. We tend to think that, right? If If you're like me, you've gotten upset with somebody have you? I mean, come on now. Come on, y'all. You've gotten upset with somebody or something didn't didn't go the way that you thought it would or, or whatever it may be. And it's easy to point fingers at all these people. But the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of wickedness. We've got to recognize that there's an enemy that you and I are facing today. Don't think for a moment there's not an enemy in Washington. Don't think there's not an enemy in the state house or in in the, in the government. Just in general. I'm not talking about political parties. I'm just talking about mortal, corrupt man. There's an enemy. And the greatest enemy is the devil. And people that are not influenced by the Lord Jesus Christ, people that are not looking to the Lord Jesus Christ, people that are not leaning on the Lord Jesus Christ, they're following the devil. And we throw up our hands and ask, why is all this happening? What's going on? We've got to look to the Lord. We've got to lean on the Lord. We've got to follow Him. The greatest enemy is the devil. And the one who's greater is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, our hope is in the Lord. Listen to how one hymn writer Explains this, When darkness seems to hide its face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, My anchor holds within the veil. Listen to this, On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. To trust means to have confidence, to be secure in, and we're secure in not the things of this world, we're secure in Jesus. We're looking to Him. We're leaning on Him. Looking to Jesus. Leaning on Jesus. Notice thirdly though, this is a hard one. Man, this is a hard one. You've got to learn to wait. You've got to learn to wait. We're living in a day, and have been living in a day of instant gratification for so, so long. And whatever you're facing right now, whether you're on the highest mountain, or whether you're in the lowest valley, you and I still must Wait, amen? I don't know how many times I tell my my kids, wait, wait, wait. We have to wait. It's hard to do. It's not what we want to do. But the one who waits on the Lord, the Bible says, will not be ashamed. David knew what it meant to wait. You see, at a young age, David had been called to be king. The king at the time was Saul. Saul was not a godly king. And God was raising up a young shepherd boy by the name of David to be the next king. And David didn't immediately take the throne, but he waited. Not just a week or two weeks, he waited years before he would become king. However, things didn't work out that, that well for David. David faced much Suffering in his life, he faced much tragedy in his life. But he waited; he understood what it meant to wait, and that he did. When I think about that, a couple of scriptures come to mind. Write these down, if you will. Psalm ninety four says, "For your sight, for in your sight a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours of night." And Isaiah fifty five eight through nine says that my thoughts. Are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. This is the Lord's declaration for as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's timing is not our timing. There are times when you and I must wait. And when we're waiting, what are we doing? We're looking to the Lord. We're leaning on the Lord. And through that time, we're waiting on the Lord. Perhaps God has said this morning, yes to a request that you've offered, but not now. And I've come to learn over the years that God answers prayers in one of three ways. Yes, no, or wait. Yes, no, or wait. And I'm going to be real with you this morning. It's hard to wait. There's been times in our lives when we've wanted things and we knew that God was in those things, but God simply said, wait. Or God simply said, no at this point, but to wait. And what I've come to learn over the years, and look at me, I'm not standing here this morning saying I've perfected this because the Lord knows I'm not. But I'm learning more day in and day out, that I've got to wait on the Lord. I've got to wait on Him. And while I'm waiting on Him, I've got to lean on Him. I've got to lean on Him. It used to be a dog. I don't know whose dog it was. I don't remember. But there was a dog. I, I can't remember for life, I life mean, whose dog this was. But they called him. He was a leaner. He would just walk up to you wherever you are, and then he would just lean on you. He'd be like, would you get off of me? That was the craziest thing. I can't remember whose dog that was. If I remember, I'll share that with you. But I remember the dog was just referred to as leaner because everywhere he would go, he would just lean on you. And that just came to mind as I was thinking about leaning on the Lord. You know, you lean on the Lord. Where is that dog? We would say to that dog, get off of me. You know what the Lord says? Come a little bit closer. Just lean on me. Amen? Just lean on me. You need a shoulder to cry on? Just lean on me. You need somebody to hold you up and to help you walk through this crazy world? Just lean on me. Lean on me. And look to me. And wait on me. Wait on the Lord. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Lord, show me your ways. And teach me your paths. Whatever it may be, you and I must understand that we've got to wait on the Lord. We've got to lean on the Lord. We've got to look to the Lord. But notice fourth and finally this morning. Fourth and finally, you've got to be led by the Lord. To be led by the Lord. Every day, you and I are going to be led by one of two things. The world, the flesh, and the devil over here. Or the Lord. Every day. You're either walking by the Spirit, or you're obeying the lust of the flesh. Every day. I mean, that's, that's moment by moment. Like every single moment. And I heard Dr. Adrian Rogers say a number of years ago, if, if, you're, if you're looking at the Lord and you're focused on the Lord, you can't be looking at the devil or something else. Amen? I mean, if you, not if you've got your eyes focused on him. Are you with me this morning, church? If we've got our eyes on the Lord, we can't be focused on this other stuff over here. So we've got to put our eyes back on the Lord. We've got to be led by the Lord. Psalm 31.3 says, For you are my rock, you're my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Lead me and guide me. David says here, lead me in your truth and teach me. He says, I wait on you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindnesses. For they are of from old. What we've got to realize also is this, that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're no longer in the driver's seat. And I saw something a number of years ago. You've probably seen it. If you've got it on your car, please don't get offended at me. But the bumper sticker said that God is my co-pilot. You with me? I don't want Jesus in the passenger seat. I want him in the driver's seat. Amen. Amen. Jesus, take the wheel. You with me? I want him in the driver's seat, right? To take the wheel. To lead me. And to guide me. And direct me. We're not the pilot any longer. We've surrendered as... Dr. Adrian Rogers also used to say, the decision to give up one's heart to Jesus is the last independent, legitimate decision you'll ever make. Is that statement unsettling? It should be wonderful and excited. After all, we can better manage our lives. Who can better manage our lives than the Lord of creation or we ourselves? I think Jesus needs to be in control. Can you imagine for a moment what our lives individually would be like, our community, our state, and our nation, if individuals, not not, not a person or two, but individuals starting with the church, began to put Jesus back in the driver's seat. How our world, our country, would, would drastically, drastically change. So you've got to ask the Lord to lead you. To lead you into truth. And we know that the Bible testifies to the fact that the Word of God is truth. Your Word is truth. The Word of God is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than to any two-edged sword. All Scripture is God-breathed, but not just the Scriptures. Extra-biblical sources testify to the Word of God being true. And there's nothing too small, nothing too large to ask God to lead you in or to lead you through. Be it on the mountaintop or in the valley. You see, we don't often ask God for much when it's smooth sailing, do we? Man, everything smooth sailing, right? But when we're in that valley, I was reading a story the other night, the story Bible with my kids, and we were reading the story of David and Goliath. And I I, I love the illustration and and the picture because you had David over here on one side of the mountain. You had Goliath on the other side of the mountain. And you had the valley there. And I got to thinking about that. Man, it would be wonderful if we were on the mountaintop all the time, wouldn't it? It would be. I mean, that would be awesome. That's not reality. So many times we have to go through the valley. But, but this is what we've got to understand. When we're on the mountaintop or when we're in the valley, the Lord's right there with us. He's right there with us. He'll be with you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. And He'll direct you. During the times like many of our folks are facing right now, during times of heartache, during times of suffering, during times of of grief during times of sickness during times of pain and yes even during times of death but we know this morning that even death doesn't have the final say not for those who are in Christ that's good news amen praise god for that this morning that god is not only willing But He's able to keep us and sustain us until the very end. So what do we do? What's the application with what we've heard this morning? You've got to look to the Lord Jesus as your strong tower. He's my strong tower, and I hope and pray this morning that He's your strong tower. You've been listening to Changed by His Word, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We hope that you have been encouraged and challenged by this message. If you have any questions about the message or about your relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact Pastor Brad at changedbyhisword at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.